Hey, happy Wednesday. It's the CHGO Fire Podcast. I'm Pat McCraney. He's Alex Campbell. We are presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Alex, Pat, we're back. We, we are back. back. Episode two, we have made it multiple episodes. So uh, we were not canceled. Yes. Congratulations to us. It's good to be here. Now, the question is, is it good to be a Fire fan right now? Definitely a mixed bag. Obviously, what we talked about last week was Jairo Torres' arrival, yeah. Chris Mueller's impending signing. So how did those guys do in their first week as members of the Chicago Fire? Well, Jairo Torres didn't do anything. I went to training on Thursday, and I'm looking at the guys coming out, and I say to Elizabeth Sanchez, the Fire's extraordinary PR person, E, where's Jairo? And she says, that's probably a question you should ask Ezra. And I knew then something had gone wrong. And that thing wrong is apparently a hip injury that the fire say happened in his last game for Atlas. However, we know Hiro trained last Tuesday. He did not train on, I think he, he tweaked it on Wednesday, did not train Thursday, obviously did not play. I don't know if he's trained this week. Um, Ezra has a news conference scheduled right after this show where we're going to hopefully find out some more information. But hopefully, I mean, Ezra had a quote last week. He said something to the extent of, we'd rather him have to miss one game than miss eight. I'm on board with that 100%. If he did have to get a little bit of rest before he, he plays you know, consistent minutes for the fire, so be it. Big picture is, is more important than the small picture. But after Ezra saying he's going to get minutes, it was really disappointing that they went into Atlanta without Jairo Torres. Chris Mueller, though, did get minutes. He did. Uh, the reason he got so many minutes, not so good. The fire were trailing to a first-half Cisneros hat trick. Yeah. Uh, Ronaldo Cisneros of Atlanta gets his first MLS hat trick. So Chris Mueller gets subbed on at halftime, plays 45 minutes. Um, bright moments. You can see why the fire signed him. Um, he's going to start now this Saturday, right? It's I would suspect yes. Yeah. Um, I, I would think, you know, it, he probably plays on the left again, whether Hyro's available on the right or not. Um, Stanislav Ivanov has, after a promising start to the season, I thought, has been dreadful. And I think it's, you know, if, if obviously Hyro can start, he will in that, in that case. And having those two wingers will definitely help. Will it be enough? That's the question. Um, we also, we learned a lot of things about the fire in this game. We learned how important uh, Raphael Shihas is because the back line was not good, even though it had been good all season. He is, he's vitally important to the team, almost too important, you could argue, to the team. Um, Gaston Jimenez was missing. You know, he's, he's a mixed bag of, of, you know, some supporters love him and some, some hate him, but I think he really was missing from the game. And you made a point when we were talking earlier, Alex, it's not so much him, it's just the fact that that's experience out there. Yeah, Chihos and Jimenez, I think, have both been good in different ways this season. Rafael Chihos, when he's been on the field, has been everything Fire fans could have asked for. He's provided leadership that this team needed. He's been the captain of this team. He's also just been a really good presence, as you mentioned, in the back line. Gaston Jimenez, uh, I was among the crowd who was not happy to see him re-sign to a designated player contract this yeah. season. He has been better so far this season when he has played than he was last year. And to your point, Pat, it might less, though, be about how well those players have been playing and more about the fact that those are two guys in their 30s who provide a lot of experience for this team. Because when you look at the other guys who were playing in this game, 
There is a lot of youth back there. Gaga Slanina, Miguel Navarro, Mauricio Pineda, uh, Carlos Tehran, just Fede Navarro. Just so many young players out there. And that inexperience, I think, really showed against an Atlanta team who, though they have a lot of young players themselves, are going to present a lot of challenges to you from an attacking standpoint. And we just saw, Pat, every time Atlanta picked up the ball, it felt like the fire was scrambling back and that there was no protection for that back line as Atlanta's counterattack just ran roughshod in that entire first half. And, and Carlos Tehran seemed to be doing his best um, impression of Francisco Calvo. Going forward, reckless abandon and um, letting players buy him pretty easily, which was disappointing to see. I honestly think that if... If there's a case where Sheehus can't go again, he's it was a red card suspension, so he'll be back unless there's an injury. If there's a case where he can't go again, I would rather Bornstein start there alongside Amsberg than, than Tehran, which is tough to say because Carlos Tehran's a guy who was expected to start the season at the right-sided center back position alongside Sheehus, and then he got hurt, Amsberg came in, Amsberg's been excellent, um, main represent. And you're not going to take that away from him at this point. And, and Carlos Tehran did himself no favors. Yeah, the combination of Tehran being over-aggressive on both of the first two Cisneros goals. Yeah. Tehran, it's, it's a situation as a defender, you either need to get the ball, and if you don't get the ball, you need to get the man and stop the play. And twice in the space of about 10 minutes, Tehran did neither twice. And what happens then is you leave White Omsberg, who again has been very good this season, but even White Omsberg would admit he is not the quickest or most athletic person playing center back in Major League Soccer. That's supposed to be Tehran's job that when there's a fire to be put out, his athleticism can make up for it. Unfortunately, what resulted was just a ton of space. Omsberg yeah. not able to cover it all. Gaga being absolutely hung out to dry. I don't really think Gaga could have done better on much of what happened. There was one goal where he lets up a rebound. He parries a goal. He parries a shot right into the path of yeah. Cisneros. I felt like there was two of the four he could have done a little better on. That one was obviously one of them. Um, but it's, it's, it's tough to stop point-blank shots for anyone, even Gaga. Yeah, so, so yeah, not maybe the best week Gaga would have wanted after the news cycle that we talked about last week where his international future yeah. is up for grabs. So n not the greatest game at the back for anybody fire-related, Pat. Bigger picture, though, the fire are now in last place in the Eastern Conference. The thing yeah. about that is there's a bit of a caveat. The entire Eastern Conference from top to bottom is only separated by nine points. The differential out west way bigger than that like the west is already basically split into who's going to and not make the playoffs so the east is a pretty tight race but the fire are at the back of that close-knit pack what should fire fans be feeling about seeing their team next to that number 14 on the table this is weird so i wrote a piece on uh monday for chgo where i you know was basically discussing you know if if Shaq has been good enough some of the things that happened in the game some of the bright spots and my tweet on my personal account um, was to something to the extent of, I am so, so, so sick of covering losses. Because I am. It's, it's such a boring vibe. It, not even a boring vibe. It's just an upsetting vibe. I just want this team to do well, as does everybody involved with, with the fire. But um, usually, in the past, it had been me being a little too positive and fire fans knocking me back down to earth. The response to this was, no, wait a minute. It's still early. They're only a few points out. We haven't played with our optimal 11 yet. We've got Hyro coming in. We've, we just signed Chris Mueller. It's going to be okay. And so it was actually fire Twitter lifting me back up, which is saying something. Which folks. is a weird, weird progression. Now, 
there seems to be a trend in recent years, and this dates back to 2019, of seemingly every time we're hovering our hand over the panic button, deciding whether or not it's time to push it for the fire. There's a big win. Uh, well, no, I was going to say that they are about to play FC Cincinnati, which yeah, is the case on Saturday. Last couple of years, for sure. Yeah, yeah, so if you think back yeah. to 2019, before the pandemic, there was a game where Valko Panovic, then the manager, the fire had to play the Columbus crew and FC Cincinnati in a week. And it was basically mm-hmm. understood, you got to get something from both of these games. Long story short, there was a Fernando Adi stoppage time winner, if I remember correctly, in the Columbus game. That was that. And then FC Cincinnati, the team absolutely crumbled. And although Panovic was not fired that next day, it was basically understood that was the end of the road that season. The same thing seemed to happen the next year, 2020, well, excuse me, 2021, rather. Because there, was a, there was, in 2020, there was a big win at Soldier Field against FC Cincinnati, if I remember correctly. Then two key games against FC Cincinnati in 2021. There was the most depressing game I've ever been a part of, the loss, where we were all like, so, Rafa, that's it, right? You're going to be fired. Um, and, and he didn't say yes, but his... his his mannerisms yeah. basically. I think we said talked yes. about that on last week's show, and then there was the um, the Luka Stojanovic Golazo four three win toward the end of the season last year against FC Cincinnati. Now we we need to point out, Alex, that FC Cincinnati is not garbage. They are not your slightly old, younger selves, FC Cincinnati. This team is scoring goals. Brandon yeah. Vasquez won off the lead in the MLS Golden Boot race. They're in fifth. They have back-to-back clean sheets, which is something this team has never been particularly good at. So, again, this, this is less the, oh boy, FC Cincinnati's rolling into town. You need to win this game. And more of a hey, you can't afford to take this game lightly, especially as we'll talk about later in the show, how the schedule looks coming up. So is this a must-win game for the Fire? I think, is it a must-win? No. But it's close to it. And we're going to talk about this a little bit more in the next segment. But with the next three games, the two New York teams on the road and then Toronto on the road, the Fire aren't back at home until mid-June after there's a break after the Toronto game. Um, Yeah. It, it kind of feels like they need to take three points and, and stop the bleeding now. Uh, three points would probably jump them back somewhere near the, the playoff line. And, you know, if, if it's a promising game, if, if Torres and Mueller play, if Casper if Shabilko plays, I do think he'll be back this week. And, and he does something. If Shaq can produce something other than a PK, the, the assist was pretty. I got to give him that. I don't think I, – I was kind of hard on Shaq in the, uh, in the piece on, for CHGO on Monday, but the assist was beautiful. Um, but we do need more from him. He's a highly played DP. We need more from Shaq. So I don't think that's unfair at all. Um, but if all that comes together against FC Cincinnati and there's, there's a big win, maybe you're feeling all right. If in not, addition, I was going to say, in addition to Vasquez scoring goals, Lucho Acosta coming off a very good performance. He was included yeah. in the MLS team of the week this past week. Cincinnati looked like they're putting a few things together. Fire against FC Cincinnati, primetime Saturday night, 7 p.m., at Soldier Field. We will cover that game as we cover all things here at CHGO. And Pat, why don't you tell the people about what the best way to support CHGO is right now? Do you now? know what it is, Alex? I think it's points bet. The best way to support CHGO is to download the points bet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you do that right now, you'll get two risk free bets up to $2,000. But that's not it. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, including my stories and everybody else's. And you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker, which, as we've told you, should, in fact, be the fire shirt. 
Uh, that's $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free t-shirt from the CHGO Locker, all for making more than a $50 first-time deposit at PointsBet. If you have questions about this, you can email pointsbet at allchgo.com and we'll help you out. It's your home for live in-play betting, and it just got even better. Introducing PointsBet's new feature, NBA Live NBA Same Game Parlay. For the first time ever, you can build the perfect live NBA Same Game Parlay only with PointsBet. Combine your favorite bets anytime during the game. Do you want more? You should. You can also boost your live same game parlays. Watch live, parlay live, boost live with PointsBet. And now, Alex, as I told you earlier today, online sign-up is available in Illinois. You don't have to go anywhere. Sign up on your phone. You can do the whole thing start to finish right there on your phone. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. Do you have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. And of course, that's not the only way you can support CHGO. You can support CHGO directly by signing up for a subscription. There's also podcasts, live shows, every team, every day covered here at CHGO. Post-game shows of big events as well. Premium written content if you're a member, if you if you are a member, like all of Pat's fire coverage at allchgo.com. That is A-L-L-C-H-G-O.com. Pat already mentioned there's a whole lot of dope merch, fire shirts, coming soon you get a free shirt when you become a member and you get a members access i should say to the members only discord we're going to try yeah. to engage i thought a you were giving away there. members only jackets i was almost you almost i thought you were going to say that you remember members only jackets those were the best that would but be no, good yeah we I don't have so. that so. yeah no that 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 would also be good so be sweet so yeah uh discord get on there good place to post questions good community yeah. for not only fire discussion but soccer discussion and all the other teams covered here at CHGO as well. Speaking, Pat, of online engagement, we're going to do a bit of a mailbag here in mailbag. segment two. We got some questions from some of you listening and hey, watching Real on quick, uh, Spitting Fire is in the chat and he's saying, is this live or is it pre-recorded? Tell the man. It's live. Yeah. Right now. Yeah, we're it's here. It's live. You're actually watching us live. Yeah, just now, the White Sox game has been postponed because Correct. the Guardians, of course, are full of COVID, which is still you, a now, thing. You might, I can't say that for sure because you might be listening to this at a later time. But if you're watching this on YouTube or Twitter or Twitter, 1215 on Wednesday, right now it is 1230. We're live. I don't know. You just looked at your wrist. Is that even a watch? Mm. Yeah. I think you're So, it. mailbag. Thank you to all of you mailbag. who on short notice gave us some questions here on Twitter. The first one is going to come from Playing With Fire. And Playing With Fire asks, is it too early to panic? We kind of covered that already. Probably not. Probably a little early, but, you know, get the button out of the drawer. Um, is George Heights the man for the job when potentially Garth Lagerway could be leaving Seattle given recent events? He sees this as a pie-in-the-sky scenario. So, Pat, Garth Lagerway, a former associate of the Chicago Fire, been the general manager in Seattle for a number of years, an off-season survey of MLS front office personnel done over at The Athletic revealed that Lagerway is far and away the most respected front office person in the league. And he's from Elmhurst. And he's from Elmhurst. His team results bear that out. Seattle just becoming the first ever MLS team to win the CONCACAF Champions League. Pat Garth-Logaway is out of contract in Seattle at the end of the season. Is this as pie in the sky as playing with fire thinks it is? It it might be because I don't think Garth wants a lateral move of any kind. I I think that, you know, he probably wants a, a team president job or something along those lines. However, I will say this. 
Uh, if Georg Heights does not make, if this team doesn't make the playoffs after three straight seasons of Georg Heights, I don't think you can keep him around at that point. More teams make the playoffs than miss in MLS, to, so to have missed three years in a row, I'm not saying they will. Maybe they'll go on a run, and if they go on a run, maybe they keep him. But if Garth is available, he's kind of the best guy for the job. I think you at least have to look at it. There, there were rumors that, that Joe Mansueto wanted Garth a long time ago when he first came in, and, and, and Don Garber crushed that. I don't know that that was ever true, but um, I would – absolutely love to see him here. Yeah, because as far as we know, there was never an official interview with right. Garth Lagerwey for that position. And I really think regardless of how it got there, that's kind of a damning thing that happened last time is that Garth Lagerwey, being a Chicago native, was not at least offered the opportunity to speak with the fire about that job. He was not asked by the fire to yeah. speak about that job. So even if he, his answer to the question is, no, I'm, I'm looking for something other than a different team to be the GM of, I think you at least have to make the call and you at least have to ask. I would agree, though, it is probably pie in the sky. But, hey, stranger things have happened in this league. Next up from Justin Witz, what's the realistic expectation for the next four matches? Looking at this road trip, if you're still only on 10 points at the end of it. So after this game against Cincinnati at home, Pat, very tough next three on the road yeah. coming up as the fire swing out east. They do double duty in New York. They're at the Red Bulls, then at NYCFC, and then at Toronto. It's, yeah, and it's a Wednesday-Sunday, I believe, in New York, so it's a tighter turnaround. Red um, Bulls have been good this year. Yeah. NYCFC dangerous as always. Toronto on the up after a disastrous year last year. Yeah. What is realistic to expect from that road trip? So we're saying the four games in total, right? Yeah. Is four points enough to expect? Is that realistic? I think I think five would be grasping at straws. Like I or, like I think that would be a little bit too optimistic. Honestly, I would love anything more than five points, but I honestly don't see it happening. But yeah. I've been wrong before many times, so maybe they'll prove me wrong. Yeah, it's just it's tough to see again. The Red Bulls, the Red Bulls have looked really impressive this year. It seems like the the stuff they started to put into practice last year, which Honestly, for the first time ever, it started to feel more like Red Bull were part of the Red Bull ecosystem. Yes, there was the sale of Tyler Adams to Leipzig a few years ago, which mm -hmm. kind of like cemented that relationship. But it's never truly felt like they're connected to that Leipzig-Salzburg apparatus over in Europe. And the style of play that team is playing now does clearly look identifiable as Red Bull football and seems to be paying dividends. They seem to have a collection of players there who are able to execute those ideas. NYCFC, I mean, anytime you go to Yankee Stadium, it's kind of not soccer to a degree because of the field. NYCFC's I think they're playing that one at City Field. So that one's at City Field. Okay. I think so. Still a baseball yeah. field, but hopefully yeah. not a trapezoid, hopefully an actual rectangle. I mean, Tati Castellanos is still scoring goals as long as he's here. He's mm -hmm. probably not in MLS much longer to the delight of literally everybody who ever has to play NYCFC. But that just look, continues to look like a well-built team. And then Bob Bradley is now running the ship in Toronto. Lorenzo Insigne is not here yet. So I guess that is the only right. silver lining is you don't have to contend with him in this matchup. But yeah, the fire, it, it really, I think, puts the microscope on this FC Cincinnati game this weekend as why you really need three points it's, out of it because yeah. there's nothing guaranteed about those next three. It's also, it's just a big, I don't think the road woes are a thing as much anymore as they were under Wiki and under, under Pono during that stretch where they just could not win on the road no matter what. I could see them pulling one out, but um, that, that, that Cincinnati game is going to be key. You want three points. You want that momentum going into the road trip. Um, if you don't get it, 
you're going to continue to get people, you know, turning on the team, being angry at the team. And I don't think that's unfair. So um, it's, it's hard to defend last place as, as much as, you know, they, they've made solid moves. And I like Ezra. Um, Shaq was a, a big time signing. You, you, Mueller was a great signing. Hiro looks to be a good signing. Um, Sheehus was a fantastic signing. And they're in last place. It's hard to defend. You have that. to have something to show for it. It's not enough to win. Yeah. Winning the off season is great for clicks. It's great for engagement. It's yeah. great for attention on the team early. But winning the off season doesn't actually get you anything in the standings. It's got a translator. No one is going to care yeah. that you won the off season because plenty of people around MLS media, the Fire were a popular pick for who had the best off season in MLS. Yes, it takes time to get everybody bedded in together. Yes, Jairo Torres hasn't played yet. Yes, Chris Mueller is new and. Kind of came out of nowhere. Yes, there's been injuries. But to your point, eventually, this has got to start seeing results. And even though so many teams in MLS make the playoffs, you are out of the picture eventually, even though, you know, it can happen early, even though so many teams get in. Our final mailbag question, Pat, from Tim V. And this is kind of more of an existential fire question. Other than being a place to ship Aliceta and his contract, does the partnership with FC Lugano in Switzerland appear to be benefiting the fire yet? Will it? How? Uh, short-term answer is yes, because they were able to ship out Nacho Alicetas' yeah. contract and able to sign Jairo Torres. Even though right. we haven't seen Jairo Torres kick a ball yet for the fire, I think it, we, we mentioned this last week, his impact on the fire will not be any worse than Nacho Alicetas was. No, I, I, yeah, it's... Have we seen any other tangible benefits from the partnership yet i don't think so but that's a huge one and just we know this from the red bull group and nycfc and some of the other um teams that own a, a team abroad having a second team in another league is a great way around certain mls rules and it can't it's not a bad thing so it's also way in the future this is the thing right now we only think of lugano because of aliceta as a place to store unwanted contracts and move money around and to your point get around the MLS roster rules there's no reason in the future this can't work in reverse where right. if Lugano is able to sign a young promising player from somewhere in Europe who maybe isn't quite ready to make the step to a top five league yet maybe that player can come over and benefit the fire as there's well. There's also a window timing thing and Georg Heist explained this to me where um, because of the windows being slightly different there, there would be opportunities to sign a player to Lugano where you wouldn't necessarily be able to bring them into MLS at a certain time. And so it's a way to get them into the, organi the larger organization and then go from there. So I, it, it wasn't like they spent the money on Lugano that they should have spent on the fire here. I don't see any negative here at all toward having the, the sister club in Switzerland. I think they're in fourth place. They're doing fairly well. Um, I don't think, think we've seen any other benefit other than... than the Aliceta to Torres transition, but um, I, think it's, I think it's a great move by, by Joe and his team. MLS roster rules are fickle things. Joe Mansueto about a month ago became, I think, the first MLS. Other MLS owners, Arthur Blank being one of them in Atlanta, have hinted that they'd mm -hmm. like to see the roster rules open right. up. Joe Mansueto went full on the record and said he thinks the roster rules need to be opened up because, you know, Joe wants to spend money. So, again, the couple mil he, he had to he spend for Lugano is nothing relatively here. And if, in the short term, if all Lugano is is a way to just carve out a loophole in the MLS roster rules, in the short term, I think it is worth it for the fire. 
to Pat's point, I don't know if it really has any downside. Right. I, we, I think we, we're not going to name names, but we can probably think of other players currently on that fire roster who could also see their futures in Lugano, whether it's for a monetary reason or simply to get them into form or give them some sell-on value of some sort. So it's a big question mark right now. I feel right like now. even if you're Nacho Aliceta, we, we, we look at it here as he was shipped out to get rid of his deal. But if you're Nacho, and he still has some promise as a player, right? It, putting him in a situation where he's in front of more European scouts than he would be necessarily here, he's in Europe playing, I don't think was necessarily a bad thing for him either. So this is one where I got to give it to the fire. I think it's been a, it's been a good thing all around so far. So, let's see here. As Moving on next in the show, we're going to take another quick break here, but this break is to tell you about our points bet pick of the week. Pat, we didn't have great luck last week. We said over three and a half total goals in the Arsenal-Leeds game. It was looking good for a while. Oh, Arsenal, my gosh. Arsenal were 2-0 no up. 20 minutes in, they're up two with a... Playing the red, 10 yeah. men. And then Come Arsenal on. was content to just kind of pass it around and, and um, make things annoying for the next seven There minutes. was a Leeds goal, so we finished just under the three and a half. So that was a failure. So that wasn't great, yeah. but so in, we're going we're gonna to change tactic this week for our points back pick, pick of the week. Instead of rooting for goals, we're rooting against goals. And the game we're looking at is Greuther Fürth versus Augsburg in the Bundesliga in Germany, Saturday, 8.30 a.m., uh, Greater Furts are already relegated. They've only scored 27 goals all season. I just want to point out that this is a game that has big U.S. ties. Julian! Yeah. Julian Green. Julian and Green, World Cup hero. Pepe. And Ricardo Pepe, who kind of plays soccer for Augsburg, doesn't really play soccer for Augsburg. Anyway, Furt never score, period. Uh, Augsburg struggling to score in general. They rarely score more than two goals in a match. These teams drew nil-nil, Pat, back in December. And right now on points bet, under 2.5 total goals is plus money at plus 195. So we think there is some excellent value to be had here in a game I, that is probably going to be a dreadful thing to watch. I do not recommend watching this game. watch the game. I would bet on yeah. the game and then... Not watch it because it's not worth two yeah, hours. Just, just of check your, time. your account two hours later. And say, yeah, oh, cool. We won. I don't know if it's worth two minutes of your time. The thing with the Bundesliga is that you usually see goals there. There are usually lots of goals there. We do not expect goals. No, 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 no goals here. N nothing to play for for Greuther Fürth. Augsburg are starting to look fairly comfortably safe from relegation by scoring one, maybe two goals a game. So yeah, bet the under on that one. There's probably some value there. Pat, we've talked a bit today about the Flyers' loss. We didn't really get into the details. The worst thing that happened in that game did not involve the fire. No, and, and honestly, the most noteworthy thing that happened in that game wasn't even Ronaldo Cisneros' hat trick, which is a big deal mm -hmm. for Atlanta. The most noteworthy thing that happened in that game was U.S. Men's National Team center back Miles Robinson ruptured his Achilles tendon. It was ugly. He is out, and he knew immediately. He pointed to his Achilles right away. Athletes know when injuries that serious happen. He's out for the remainder of the MLS season for sure. His World Cup is in doubt. So I think the first question that a lot of people started asking, Pat, is is this a turf problem? We've got some, some perspective here in Chicago because basically once the Fire and the Bears were sharing Soldier Field last year, every visiting coach who came in complained a ton about it and I think rightly so because it was just not a good service to play soccer on it was very bouncy it was hard it wasn't ideal but now we have the question about turf this coming on the heels of Seattle's Jao Paulo 
tearing his ACL on the turf up at Seattle, which seems to be the biggest defender in MLS in the CCL final. So, first of all, do you think this is an overblown thing about the turf? Is it just bad No, I I think there's something to it. Um, You know, the worst thing that you'll see at Soldier Field is like a – it was the Nashville game that was the day after the Notre Dame-Wisconsin game at Soldier Field. Oh, yeah. The turf was unplayable. Like, the, the, the side was unplayable. There was chunks missing everywhere. The ball, you could not pass the ball on the ground. It was one of those games where you watch it for 10, 15 minutes, you're like, there's no way either team is scoring a goal here. It, yeah. It's just not happening. It, like, it, they, nobody could get anything going, and it was ugly. And, yes, that's a problem that the fire need to deal with. And then the gridiron lines are, are ugly and, and not aesthetically pleasing. But, um, but the, the situation we have in, in Atlanta and, and many other MLS cities with the, with the – New England, Portland, Seattle. Various forms of artificial turf is sometimes players get hurt. And – and I, I don't know that I, I don't know for sure that that the turf would have done anything. And maybe this a similar move on grass would have caused the same result. Maybe it was a his Achilles was about to go and he didn't know it at all. I, I don't know, but um, I I do know that it was it was tough to see because it looked like to me he pointed at his Achilles and he pointed at the turf, and and that made me you know as a U.S. fan I'm thinking, well there goes Miles. So, Miles Robinson, again, uh, the, the, the most comparable injury is to a relevant player, Aaron Long, who was recently back to mm-hmm. full fitness after missing a lot of time. Aaron Long was at about eight months for New York Red Bulls for, for his Achilles recovery. That yeah. would put Miles Robinson back, like, the week before the World Cup starts. Which, at that point, do you bring him in for depth? I think the only way Miles Robinson probably goes to the World Cup is if there are more injuries and you just need True. all bodies who are available. So in terms of where that leaves the United States men's national team, the two names who are now sharpied into the roster if they're healthy are definitely Walker Zimmerman yep. and Chris Richards. Yep. No doubt that those two guys, if they're fit, are going to the World Cup. The question is, you're going to probably take four center backs. Maybe you're even going to take five with the 26-man roster. Mm-hmm. So where does that leave the rest of the pool? And we're going to take a look now at some of the options. So at the top here, we have Tim Ream, 46 caps. He's been kind of out of the picture for a while, Pat. He's 34 years old. But the biggest thing Tim Ream has going for him is he just played next to Anthony Robinson for a full season for Fulham, who won the championship. And Tim Ream captains that team. So, yes, there are concerns about Tim Ream's fitness. There are concerns about Tim Ream's ability to play out from the back. But he has a tight-knit relationship with the guy who's going to start at left back for the U.S. men's national team. So I think he warrants inclusion in this conversation as at least. one of the four. I just certainly, think he, yeah, I yeah. think he has to be yeah. at least mentioned as a candidate to get on yeah. this roster. Yeah. He, I, yeah, I, I think so too. And it, it's, you know, it's the standard Fulham. Yay. We won. Oh, we've been relegated. So we're on the uptick here with Fulham. So we're in, we're in good, <laughs> good coming off a good season for Fulham. Um, I, I, you know, Tim Ream started played in, I think every single game for them, if very close to it, if not all of them, like you pointed out, he started alongside Robinson. I, I think that that's, there's something to be said for that. There's something to be said for that level of experience. I don't know that Greg loves him, but I think that if, if you're talking about building a complete roster, you want some level of experience there. I think he goes next on that list of caps is the man who's kind of been an elephant, oh. the elephant, not in the room as of late, John Brooks, uh, still 29 years old. Currently playing for Wolfsburg in Germany, about to be a free agent at the end of the season. The man with Illinois tattooed on his bicep. Uh, Pat, 
about a week ago, Greg Berhalter had a press conference. Yeah. And he was talking about guys who might get a look in this June window camp. And one of the guys he mentioned was Cameron Carter Vickers, who's also on that sure. list. We'll get to in a second. Right. He said Cameron Carter Vickers is getting called in. Yeah. He declined to say if John Brooks would be joining that group. That was before Miles Robinson got hurt. So the question, Pat, is this injury to Miles Robinson enough to bridge whatever divide exists between Brooks and Berhalter? I, I think the only way Brooks gets in is by necessity, and so this could be it. Um, we don't know what it is in particular. I, I don't, you know, Brooks was phenomenal until he wasn't. And I, Greg may be right to be going in a different direction. And this is one of those cases where there's always this, do you go with an MLS guy? There's always, you know, concerns that Greg is too focused on bringing in uh, MLS guys over um, European guys. But this is a case where I do, you know, if I had my choice, it would be Miles Robinson and, and Walker Zimmerman from what we saw during qualifying. Does Brooks get in the four? I feel like the answer to that is no, just based on what we've seen. Should he? Maybe. We're probably about two weeks away from the June roster coming yeah. out, so keep your eyes on that. The next name up on this list, Pat, is a guy we mentioned briefly already, Aaron Long, New York Red Bulls, Greg Berhalter favorite, captaining that Red Bulls team, who's done surprisingly well this year. I think he's a lock He'll for June, yeah. and he seems to be, with Robinson's injury, yeah. a strong candidate to get on the World Cup roster in November. I would think. I would think. Yeah, like you said, he's a, he's a Greg favorite. Um, he's playing on a quality team right now. There's something to be said for that. He's going to be brought in. If he does well, I think he's, he's getting in. Because so. then, Pat, now we get to guys with single-digit caps. Speaking of Greg Burhalter favorites, we've got Mark McKenzie there. Only five caps, including yeah. one very roller coaster of a Nations League final against yeah. Mexico, yeah. which was a whole lot of bad and a whole lot of good. He's not playing in Belgium right now for Genk. Uh, that team has apparently rotated their center backs like crazy this year. It's been hard for anybody in that defense to get consistent minutes. Mm -hmm. But he's just not playing much soccer right now. So I just, unless that changes in the fall, I don't think you want to play, you want to bring in a guy who simply isn't kicking a ball much. No, and a lot could change between now and the fall. But as of right now, I would say no. I Speaking just, of I guys, just love oh, the, sorry. I just love Genk. It's like, it's my favorite Great. club name in Europe. Are your you a big Genk fan? I mean, who, who doesn't love Genk? You know how people like people have weird Americans have weird attachments to European teams for diff like I loved playing them in FIFA or whatever yeah. like that could be your team besides Arsenal Lawrence. Gank Gank not I mean, to be confused with Ghent who are only one no. letter different and have yeah. the exact same color scheme Belgian Pro League <laughs> I figure do it out confuse those two teams off. like which one did Kevin De Bruyne come through at no idea it was one of them one of them just don't remember <laughs> which one anyway speaking of guys who aren't playing any soccer right now James Sands who's Going to the Europa League final, kind of. I don't think he's going to play any soccer in the Europa League final. He's on an 18-month loan deal at Rangers. So the expectation with these kind of MLS 18-month loans to Europe is that the first six months are for just an adjustment period to get used to the yeah. the environment, to get used to the team, and the next year you're going to play a lot. So maybe James Sands is going to be playing a lot more soccer once we get into the fall but right now, he's not. He is also an option as a backup number six, although Kellen Acosta seems to kind of have that locked down right now, at least in the national team scene. So Sands may be a Swiss Army Knife guy. Maybe a guy, though, actually, who really benefits if the roster expands from 23 to 26 That's as a case. guy who yeah. fills multiple positions. Yeah, I, I could see him getting on with the expansion, but, but other than that, it doesn't feel like one for right now. But again, it is May. The World Cup is in November. A lot can and will happen, as we saw this past weekend. So, um, 
we shall see. Who's left? CCV? Can so two, two names left. Cameron Carter-Vickers, who um, has made the Scottish Premiership Team of the Year as Celtic are going to win the title in Scotland. So a very good season for mm-hmm. CCV. Still technically a Tottenham Hotspur player. Still on loan there. I would expect, though, Celtic are going to try to make that permanent this summer based on how good he has been. It'll depend on what Tottenham is asking for a fee. I've also heard CCV, I don't, I've been told he's not going to win it. He's going to get votes for Player of the Year in Scotland. Like, yes, the Scottish Premiership and being a Celtic player is not the hardest job in the world, but, like, that's not nothing. That might be worthy of a Tottenham DVD. <laughs> Our lone guy got votes for Player of the Year in Scotland. I mean, they don't win anything else. That's the only th- you got to celebrate your victories when they come, Lawrence. Do, do, does, does CCV's Team of the Season award at Celtic get to go in the largely bare Tottenham Trophy cabinet? Yeah. So th- and, does that count? Yeah, and there will be a commemorative DVD that's sold out outside uh, whatever they call White Hart Lane now. I think it's just the Tottenham, Tottenham Hotspur, Hotspur Stadium. Stadium. Yeah. Put a name on that building's amazing. It's, get someone to pay you money for your building being amazing. Anyway, we already mentioned CCV going to be in the team in June. I'm going to be at the game in Cincinnati against Morocco, so I'm hoping to see CCV play. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how he does. Basically, these series of June games, the two friendlies and the Nations League games, are Cameron Carter-Vickers trying out to be considered in the fall. There are going to be two more friendlies in September, reportedly in Europe, reportedly against teams from Asia. Nothing confirmed about that yet, but basically I'd say don't be surprised if you see, uh, I don't know, South Korea and Japan friendlies yeah. in like Germany and France or something, or Germany and England in September. The last name on this list, Pat, is another guy who likes CCV, has his stock rising quickly. That is Eric Palmer Brown. EPB. EPB. We love acronyms here. We love three-letter acronyms here in the U.S. center back pool. EPB, another one of those guys we first saw put on a U.S. senior team jersey in that Dave Sarikin era. Mm-hmm. Brought back in recently by Burhalter. Got on the field as a right wing back trying to close out the Mexico game. Eric Palmer Brown, he was a Man City player. He's gotten out of there. He's bounced around a bit. He's currently playing for Troyes, I believe is how you say it, in France, a team who was a candidate for relegation in Ligue 1 this year, but who are comfortably mid-table in part thanks to their He's, defense, yeah. which has been anchored yeah. by Eric Palmer Brown. He started most of the games for them and in Ligue 1. If that continues, I mean, on form, He's been one of the better U.S. defenders in any in anywhere, but especially in Europe over this season. I would like to see him included in the roster, and it, it kind of you know looking at the list in, as a whole, it kind of goes to show that while Miles's injury is depressing, there is some depth there, and there are some guys that that you're excited to see. One guy you left off the list was Wyatt Omsberg. Um, I apologize to Wyatt if you're watching, or anyone back in Maine. If you're watching our apologies, hey, again, you never know. This is what this is really wide open to a degree. We're looking at guys that have single. The trajectory is there, though. If he continues at the rate from starting the season, what we thought on the bench to where he is now, you're saying that the slope World of Cup his trajectory starter. is very high. Has there ever been a World Cup winner from Maine? I don't think so, not unless they've played for some other country. So you know what? Has there been a women's World Cup winner from Maine? Has how many other soccer players are from Maine? Not many. So hey, White Omsburg, USMNT center back. Again, said it earlier, stranger things have happened. I guess to close this out, though, Pat, right now, if you've got to say, let's say, if it was only a 23-man roster, because it's not for certain yet, if you only get to bring two more center backs in addition to Zimmerman and Richards, which two are you bringing? Reem and EPB. So, I think, I don't... If I, what I think Greg Berhalter would do is I think he's going to bring Aaron Long, 
And I think that last spot will either go to Mark McKenzie or Eric Palmer Brown. Mm -hmm. If I am managing the U.S. men's national team, I'm bringing John Brooks because John Brooks is just good enough to be there and he offers some things no one else does. And I think I'm bringing CCV simply because you need that one guy who's kind of a bull in the china shop. Like Chris Richards, athletic, can pass pretty well, gives you some flexibility. John Brooks, we know, can play a good ball out from the back, opens up against teams who are sitting in a little block. Walker Zimmerman's kind of a do-it-all. Yeah. He's a set-piece monster. Cameron Carter-Vickers isn't the prettiest passer. He's not the prettiest dribbler. He's not the tallest. But you know what? He's going to give 110%. And if you need someone to just run through a dude, True. he's yeah. going to do that. Yeah. So I think, and again, it's about trajectory. Cameron Carter-Vickers looking really solid right now. Tottenham might get calls from better teams than Celtic this summer for his services. Brian says Amsberg is 2022's Hercules Gomez from 2010. The trajectory is there. He's going to turn it into a media career after this. You have a really top-notch podcast. Also, shout-out, though, to the Football Americas guys. There's a whip-around show. Not to advertise for someone else, but just cool things in soccer media. There's a whip-around show for the U.S. Open Cup tonight on ESPN+. Plus. Soccer Twitter, if you complain enough about something, and if you urge people enough to do something, maybe eventually it will happen. So if you're looking for lower league soccer to watch tonight, it's going to be on ESPN+. Plus. You can tune in there. As we wind down here, Pat, speaking of lower league soccer, the Fire, 7 p.m. against Cincinnati on Saturday. Not the only team playing this weekend. There's a lot of lower league clubs. Too oh, I thought, you were making a, I thought you were making an insult to the Fire and FC Cincinnati there. No, okay. no, 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 okay. no, no. That oh, that's, that's how I took that it. That wasn't 100%. a joke. Uh, yeah, those, sometimes they do play like lower league teams. But anyway, there's a bunch of local soccer that kicks off this yeah. weekend. Go check out your local club. These are teams that rely really heavily on fan support. So go out and check out a game wherever you can find one this weekend around Chicago. You're going to be on the call on one of them. I'm going to be on the call on two of them, actually. So Ooh. some cross-promotion. Chicago Houses home opener is Friday night. That's going to be down at IIT. I'm going to be on the call for that. 7 p.m. kickoff. I'll also be on the call Saturday night for Edgewater Castle's home opener. Also 7 p.m. That's up at the fire pitch up on the north side so check that out locally or tune in online if you want to hear me talk about some lower league soccer i do if you would also enjoy me talking about some not as lower league soccer when it comes to the chicago fire pat anything else for the people before we sign off uh ezra hendrickson's news conference is two minutes away hopefully we get some information on jairo torres and others um, I will be tweeting that out as soon as I get off the air. So we'll see how that goes. If you're not following us on Twitter, you should be doing that. You should be following CHGO Fire. You should be following and supporting CHGO. Be sure to support CHGO Fire and CHGO by subscribing to this show wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, yep. wherever we are there. Also, go subscribe to CHGO Red Stars. Their second podcast episode will be coming out Friday as well. Red Stars 1-0 on the NWSL season, a 2-1 win over Racing Louisville, looking to keep that going this weekend as well. So I think that's going to do it, Pat, for this second edition of CHGO Fire. Will they have us back for a third? I mean, I hope so. If they do, we'll be back here live, 12-15 here on YouTube and Twitter. Be sure to join us then. Again, send us your questions wherever you are listening or watching this. Comment below, whether it's in a podcast review, YouTube, Twitter. If we can make that mailbag segment a thing every week, we'd really love, love to do that. That was a lot of fun. I think we really yeah. enjoy that, and we enjoy yeah. the engagement. Thank you all so much for listening, for watching. For Pat McCraney, I'm Alex Campbell. We will see you next week right here on CHGO Fire. Later.